Hey listeners. In our podcast, we tell stories of true crime and hauntings, and these stories can sometimes contain gruesome and explicit details. This podcast is not intended for listeners who may not want to listen to the graphic description of true crime events. It may cause triggers. Our hosts are by no means experts on any subject matter they discuss. They're just two friends telling you true stories from our home in the Pacific Northwest. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Or don't. That's okay, too. Does anything come No, back? nothing comes back. <laughs> it's all coming back to me now. Part of me likes those kind of songs because I'm old. But part of you doesn't. Mm-hmm. I, like, secretly like them, but then I also secretly judge myself for liking them. Right. Because no one likes Celine Dion on purpose. That's debatable. Don't tell my mom I said that. She's <laughs> on purpose. A huge Celine fan. Is she? Was. I don't know if she still is. I guess. Um, I did have a couple of, of questions for you. Great. Okay. If you could change lives with anybody for oh, one like, day. Like swap lives. Yeah. Just, just for, for a day, day. Who would it be? Do they have to be alive? Uh, no. Okay. Well, I think, yeah, for this question, yes. Okay. <laughs> well, my fr- the first thought is, okay, do I automatically want to be a woman still, or do I want to go into a dude body? I think I'd want to experience like, a dude's down body. And be like, it's like in Jumanji where she, the girl turns into Jack Black, and then she's like, oh my God, look at it. Like and right away, the, the wiener. Yeah. And then she's like, how do you pee? And then she has to like hold it and- figure it out and she's super stoked <laughs> i mean i feel like i would want to be a guy just yeah. to experience that michael phelps <laughs> actually it'd be so sweet to be able to swim real fast oh like an athlete yeah i think like, oh maybe a hockey player that'd be sweet like a super good one yeah that'd be really cool yeah but I, I've experienced skating and playing hockey so i think i'd want to do something that i, I was can't thinking about right like now. being someone really smart I, like I Elon, already am that, so <laughs> or someone really dumb, like Elon Musk or Donald Trump. Fuck, you want to be Donald Trump for a day? I would jump off a bridge, <laughs> and then everybody'd be like, "Oh, he's gone." And I'd be like, "You're welcome." <laughs> Sacrifice my one day. Yeah. Mm-mm. Why would you want to be Donald Trump? I don't know. I think it would be hilarious to be him for a day. Just. <sighs> Gross. It would be pretty gross to be in his body. You'd have to pee and touch his weenus. Ew, stop. And you'd have to comb his hair. That would be the fun part. I would do like (laughs) some sort of cool like, I'd comb it the other way and maybe make it stick up a little bit. Just to to confuse the people. (laughs) Yeah. Something's different with you. Shave it into the Oh, your hair is pointed, it's combed to the right instead of the left. Good for you, Donald. (laughs) The Trump mullet. Fuck. That's a cool question. Um, Okay, the other question was, if you could party with anybody, dead or alive, who would it be? Well, you know what? To be honest, I wanted to see Tom Petty play for a very long time, and he passed away, and I missed that chance. So I feel like I'd party with Tom Petty and be like, now that we're partying, you need to play all your songs for me, because I missed that opportunity, and I picked Tom Petty. That's a good answer. What about you? Um, I think Jesus. (laughs) What the fuck? I would have so many questions for him. Oh my God! Do you, Can even you speak imagine? the same language as Jesus? 
I don't know. You don't. We would find out over some shots. <laughs> shots of what? Did they have like malt? What well, did they even have back then? Wine. I don't know, but maybe. he'd be coming to our era probably. That and would we'd be, be so stressful. And we'd party. And I would just, I just have a lot of questions. You just take Jesus down to the Queens. <laughs> <laughs> Line up outside with him. That would be hilarious. You'd see Kim Steele for so, sure. Imagine smoking weed with Jesus. No, I can't imagine smoking weed with Jesus. <laughs> or doing acid. No. None of these things have ever crossed my mind. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it would actually be Jesus, but... I still like your answer. I know. Um, all right. Uh, well, welcome. Uh, this is Radio Face Stories. The, the podcast. podcast. We did mm, that at the same time. We did. Neat. Hi, Darla. That is neat. Hi, Kezia. <laughs> Um, actually, I have been reading some books lately. No way. Yeah, actually, I wanted to Don't read, lie to you, our read you listeners, the, our five read you listeners. the titles to see if maybe you know any of them. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> do you remember the book Rusty Bed Springs by I.P. Knightley? <laughs> I do remember this. I remember actually drawing fake covers with those words, like in school at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, is there another one? Yeah, there's a few. Um... Small Treasures in the Toilet by, by, by I.P. Nichols. <laughs> Ew. Falling Off a Cliff by Eileen Dover. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the best one. How to Check a Pulse by Izzy Dead. <laughs> what oh was God. the Iona Bucket one? Oh, shit. There was an Iona Bucket. I don't remember. That's the one I was trying to find. Collecting Rain by o- Iona Bucket. <laughs> I mean, there you could really Done. just use anything. <laughs> Done. Um, <coughs> Thank you for bringing those back from the dead. Yeah. Well, I don't really have anything f- informative to share <laughs> or talk about. Um, I want to talk about, sorry for us not really having a very consistent uh, episode releases, but we've had some, there's been... You know what I'm really sick of? You guys probably haven't heard of this, but it's COVID. <laughs> it really is pissing me off. And it's, it's really me ruining off. my goddamn days. It is. It's just getting interfering. It's like you're either sick or you might be almost sick or you just were sick. And every day you're sick. You're probably sick. So, And because you work in a school surrounded by super spreaders. Oh, but they're not. It's all safe, right? That's right. Anyways, let's not get into that. Let's not. <laughs> But we are, we're just doing our best. Yeah. So and here, that's. We're here now. We're here now. Stop being so greedy. Yeah, guys. <laughs> we're blaming you. It's all you. Okay. Kezia, do you recall this song? And you need to know, I want title and artist. Ooh. That sounds like. Okay. The Offspring. Yeah. I don't know the name of the song. It's got a weird it's, name. What's the chorus? Pretty fly for a white guy. That's, I don't, a, that's the title. Pretty, pretty fly, fly for, for a, a white guy? Pre, yeah. Pretty fly for a white guy. Sweet. I did a dance in grade 9 gym, or maybe grade 8 gym, to this. like a With a, ribbons? I don't know if there was ribbons, but I wore like a New York Yankees blue jersey, like to be I, the guy with the backwards hat. 
What? It's not one of, yeah, I don't know. We did that in class? Yeah, we I was doing, to do that. I think it was grade nine. I don't think you were in my grade nine PE. I remember like doing like ribbons I've, and like That's so gymnastics. awful. Why did they make us do that I don't shit? know, but I actually really liked doing the ribbons, Darla. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was really good at it. Nobody's up. good at ribbons. What ribbon do you mean? Ru- ribbon routines. Yeah, I was. Well, I know what to get you for your next birthday. <laughs> Please. String no. on a stick. <laughs> I love it. You're so thoughtful. I know. Okay, what else you got? Um, oh God, what is that song? Hold on a second. Ghetto superstar. Oh, the song was so good. Now this is kind of unfair because I literally, I don't know the artist. The artist is Prass. I didn't know that either. Oh, okay. Okay. They I, were a one hit. I guess, Wonder. but it's super good. Last one. Okay. If you could only see the Moist. Nope. No? Three Eye Blind. No. These are good guesses. This is a one hit wonder, too. Any idea? Um, no. Tonic, if you oh. could only see. And I was in Hawaii, um, and we went to the Hard Rock Cafe, and they were warming up to play there. Really? And so we just got to sit and have our lunch, because they were going to play later, and they like practiced their set. You like, got to see them then for free, And they were just like chilling them? there, yeah. What? So that would have been 1998, I don't know. Did you have a tonic water? <laughs> Probably because I was 12. <laughs> Were your parents having gin and tonic? Uh, probably because they are cool like that. <laughs> oh, my land. You and your fucking lame jokes. I know. I get them from my brother. He's like king of dad jokes and puns. <laughs> I love it's a good quite, pun. It's quite funny. Actually, I need to find this. I took a screenshot of it because it reminded me of something he would say. I noticed my wife and kids were wearing vests, so I put one on just so I could say, vest day ever, like a million times. <laughs> then I took it off just so I could mention that I wasn't as invested as they were. <laughs> that is the kind of shit Who, my brother says. Where did you get says. that? What is it from? It's a meme. I just screenshotted it. That's so Isn't fucking it the best funny. thing ever? I was like, Darren... This is you. The thing about puns is they're so terrible, but you just have to like be all in and you have to like the delivery and the timing of the pun is just key to it. Right? That's yeah, what makes it. It is. Okay. Best day ever. <laughs> and it's that weird silence right after you say it. <laughs> you know, the awkward silence. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Should we um, start our podcast? I don't know. Yeah, okay. Do you want to play a round of something, like rock, paper, something that we haven't in a while? Okay. Um, right, let's play rock, paper, illness. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> rock, rock, paper, tonsillitis. <laughs> you really went right through the heart on that one. Like, big guns, straight to cancer. What are you going to do now? Huh? You used your big C. <laughs> All right. There's, a, there's. Ready? Okay. Rock, Rock paper, scabies. COVID. Scabies. Just another big C. 
I just, <laughs> they just are coming to mind today. Okay. Uh, rock, rock, paper, the flu. Bursitis. <laughs> What's bursitis? I think it's like inflammation of the joints or something. Maybe oh. that's arthritis. <laughs> Hold on. It's something. Because in Jackass. Rock, paper, in- ailments. <laughs> what the hell are we doing? <laughs> I'm going to see Jackass this weekend. What? Do, do you, you want to come? What do you mean? Like Jackass Forever. The movie is oh, coming the movie. out. movie. Yeah. yeah. I want to come. Okay. Wait. Bursitis. It's the inflammation of the bursa. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry. If any of our listeners have this, but I've never heard of it. What's a bursa? A bursa is a closed fluid-filled sac that works as a cushion and gliding surface to reduce friction between tissues of the body. So, you see, I was sort of right. Um, You know why I've heard of that word is in the movie Jackass when they're blowing the air horns at the golf course? Mm Mm-hmm. And scaring all the old guys. And then the guy comes at them and is like, what's wrong with you? And he's like, I have bursitis. Okay. That's why I know that word. <laughs> that's, that's and he's it. like, so you have to blow a horn? He's like, it helps. <laughs> it helps my bursitis? <laughs> oh, my God. One of us is going to get that. Oh, probably. <laughs> all right, you win. Okay, thanks. <laughs> well, now what? I guess we could do our podcast. All right. Stop it. <laughs> you win. Damn. Uh, can I give it to you? Yeah. I feel like I've gone first the last four times. Then why <laughs> you should have just let me go after my... I just still wanted to beat you. Okay, that's okay, fair. You I, may go I appreciate now. that, actually, competitiveness. <laughs> okay, my story actually pisses me off. <clears throat> okay. This is the murder of Amber Tukuro. Amber Alyssa Tukuro was born January 3rd, 1990 in Alberta, Canada. She was a member of the Mikaso Cree First Nation. She was adopted by a family member when she was just a baby. There's not a lot of information on her biological parents, but she was adopted by one of their cousins, um, Vivian, and Andrew Tukuro adopted her when she was a baby, and they already had four boys, so they were very excited to have a little baby girl, and they loved her to pieces and raised her like their own daughter. Aww. And she had a really good childhood. She, was, uh, she loved to dance and sing. Andrew and Vivian started raising their family in Fort, I'm going to say this wrong because I didn't look it up, Fort Chippewayan, and later they moved to Fort McMurray. Then it all goes downhill. Oh, well, it generally does when you live in Fort McMurray. (laughs) Just kidding. Rude. (laughs) In 2010, Amber was 20 years old and a mother to a 14-month-old boy named Jacob. It's reported that Amber took uh, being a mom very seriously and he was her whole world. She had desperately been looking for a place for just Jacob and her to live on their own, but struggled to find housing in Fort McMurray. So she had spent some time staying at Unity House, which is, I guess, like Haven House, like Haven House kind of a thing, I think. So it assists people in finding resources to help them live independently or if, you know, they were in some sort of, if they were in a domestic abuse situation. I don't, that wasn't her situation, but she needed help with housing. Right. It was here she met a woman named Evangeline McLean, and the two hit it off. August 17th, 2010, Amber, Jacob, and her new friend Evangeline decided to book a flight to Edmonton to have a little girls' weekend. Um, Amber's mom, Vivian, offered to keep Jacob for the weekend, but Amber insisted on bringing him, saying it was just for two nights. It was no problem. She'll keep him. How old is she? She's 20. Okay. 
So they booked a room at the Nisku Place Motel, which is just outside of Edmonton. It's important to note that this motel is located in a remote area where many truckers and oil workers pass through every day. On August 18th, Amber and Evangeline and baby Jacob spent the day shopping in Edmonton before heading back to the motel for the evening. However, once back, Amber told her friend that she wanted to go back into Edmonton, and she asked her friend to watch Jacob. No one was quite sure why she wanted to go back into town, but she left and hitchhiked into the city around 7.30 that evening. Mm. Yeah. It was normal for Amber and her mom to text often throughout the day, but that evening Amber stopped responding to her mom's texts, and Vivian right away became worried and concerned. At some point, she contacted Evangeline to find out where Amber was, and Evangeline just told her that Amber and Jacob were sleeping. So I guess she was just covering for her, but I guess odd, but maybe she thought it was the right thing to do. I suppose. Yeah. So then when she still didn't hear from Amber the next morning, Vivian again called Evangeline, and this time Evangeline told her that Amber left in the middle of the night and left Jacob behind. So again, that's not the truth, which is also weird. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe now she's covering for her lie earlier. I don't know, right. but weird. Yeah. Vivian knew Amber would never leave her son, and immediately she contacted the RCMP, which is the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, to report her daughter missing. However, the police did not take her concerns seriously and dismissively told her not to worry that she would show up eventually. Vivian was distraught. Days went by with no word from Amber. Her family pleaded with police to help, but they simply would not investigate. Mm. Shockingly, this situation gets worse. On August 28, 2010, 10 days after initially reporting Amber missing, an RCMP constable recommended to close the case and remove Amber from the National Missing Persons Database after they received one report of a sighting. What? Even though the constable made zero attempts to verify the accuracy of this sighting, they went ahead and took her off the missing persons database. Oh my god. How frustrating is that if you were her parent, her family? Yeah. It's just absolutely infuriating. So another 10 days go by and media relations officer with Leduc RCMP told a local paper that there was no reason to believe Amber was in danger and claimed that she was in Edmonton. Amber's mother continued to fight the RCMP on this and finally a month later Amber was re-added back onto the missing persons list. A month later. A month later. Yeah, wow. Good job, guys. When Amber first disappeared, she left all of her belongings behind at the motel and instead of examining them for clues and returning them to her family, get this, they just threw them in the dumpster. What? Yeah. The police t- took her stuff from the motel and just tossed it. Oh, my God. Fast forward to 2012, two years later. RCMP admit that Amber was, in fact, endangered and had not simply run away to start a new life. They then released a phone conversation that Amber had with her brother while in the company of a driver that picked her up when she was hitchhiking. Now, the reason this phone call is recorded is because her, her brother was actually in prison at the time. And so he was in prison in Edmonton, and she oh. was on the phone with him, and, all, and prisons record all their phone calls. Okay. Right? So this, I'm going to play, they, they released, um, the call was 17 minutes, but the police released 61 seconds of the audio out to the public for help. And I'm just going to play that. Sure. Cool. Where are we going? No, this is a... Are you f***ing 
end there it's a little bit hard to hear what she says um but basically she's questioning where the driver is taking her and he says he's going 50th street they're going east to the city and at the end it says we're on a gravel road and then the the call is cut abruptly i don't like that at all so the police had this uh, audio for two years before finally reaching out to the public for help what the hell This audio clip um, led police to believe that the driver took Amber southeast along a rural country road instead of north into Edmonton. On September 1st, 2012, a few days after the audio was released, Amber's remains were discovered on a farmer's field by horseback riders. The area was just south of the Nisku Nisku Place Motel. The amount of time it would have taken the driver to take Amber from the motel where she was started to hitchhike to where her body was found was about 17 minutes. Wow. After the audio was released, three separate women said that the voice belonged, they recognized the voice on the phone, the driver, and that it was a man named Pat Carson. Pat Carson apparently was pretty well known around Alberta, and I even found there's a website warning people about him, because I guess he, he owns a ranch, and he, he recruits people to work at the ranch through, like, Kijiji and Craigslist and things like that, but... He is a very dangerous person. Uh, he's been convicted of sexual assault. And why is he not? There's in even jail? warnings from the RCMP on this website about him. He's been in jail, and three separate women said that is who that voice is, because a lot of people have had run-ins with this person. Whoa, he wasn't charged with her murder, though. No. So the website is patcarsonsexoffender.blogspot.com. Imagine having a website for yourself. Being well, all that information, I know, but it also seems up. like the RCMP are failing everybody if this has to happen to warn people about someone. Yeah. So it says sex offender Pat Carson or Patrick Carson, ranch owner in Alberta, Canada. How old is he? Uh, I think he's like he's now he'd be about fifty-five. So he's also gone by the names Ed Flynn and Bill O'Brien. Cool. Very creative. What an asshole. So it says, beware Pat Carson or Patrick Carson's horse ranch in Sandy Beach, Onaway, Alberta. Um, We need your help. There's been reports that Pat is allegedly neglecting and are abusing his horses on his property as well. Please visit them. Okay. The RCMP are issuing the following public information and warning in regard to the release of provincial inmate in interest of public safety. Patrick Joseph Anthony Carson was released from Fort Saskatchewan Correctional Center on January 28, 2003, on the expiry of his sentence for counseling for sexual exploitation and touching of a young person for sexual purpose. These offenses involved luring young adult female victims by placing newspaper advertisements to work at his ranch or on a volunteer basis. Carson has a criminal record including previous convictions for sexual assault, procuring juvenile prostitutes, and choking to overcome resistance. These offenses took place in the province of Alberta. 
This individual represents a significant risk of reoffending against young adult females within the community. The Correctional Services Division of Alberta Attorney General has designated Patrick Joseph Anthony Carson as a high-risk offender. I'm sorry. High-risk offenders should not be out in public. If they're high-risk offenders, they should be kept in prison. Like, that doesn't, that makes no sense to me. No, and like, tell that to this lady's family now. Jesus. Oh, we put a warning out. Let's go burn that farm down. For real, wait, where's the vigilantes in the yeah, world? Like, let's what is go. that anonymous dude? Can he like do something a little low-key? Low let's do it. Kazandar. <laughs> Side job. The, <laughs> the slayers. Radio face slayers. <laughs> okay, investigators in the community also have speculated the possibility of a serial killer in the area. By the spring of 2015, police have found four bodies, all in the same general area that Amber's remains were found, and all the victims were Indigenous women. In July 2019, the Alberta RCMP were forced to apologize to the Takaro family. The RCMP said that law enforcement recognizes initial elements of the investigation were mishandled and that they had learned a great deal from this file. Oh, yeah. Thanks, guys. Amber's family says the apology is too little too late. Twelve years after Amber Tukaro was abducted and murdered, her killer is still at large. Mm-mm. So I got, yeah. That is infuriating. Doesn't that make you so angry? So angry. It's so sad. So angry. I don't even, I don't like these stories at all, but they're good to hear. Yeah. Well, their lack of effort and concentration on this case, specifically because I, she's an Indigenous person, mm-hmm. um, is not, is unacceptable. So I got my information from truecrimetimesblog.medium.com, wikipedia, cbc.ca, reddit, wildhorseranchscam.wordpress.com, and Justice for Amber Facebook group. If you guys have any information on this or you've heard anything, you can always call Crime Stoppers. They, that's what they keep asking for because it's still an open case. Wow. Good job, Darla. Thank, Thank you. you for that. Break? Break. What did the elephant say to the naked man? What? How do you breathe out of that thing? Why did the computer go to the dentist? Why, Emery? Because it had a Bluetooth. <laughs> what do you call a cat at the beach? I, I don't know. Sandy Claws. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Jetpack IO. <laughs> it's the new super cool free mobile game on iOS and Android. Download Jetpack IO and enter the promo code. to get super cool free skins it's limited time and you probably have to pee that's your daily reminder to pee bye do you have any more water were you ready for yours uh my oh my story yeah. I just wanted to, s- listeners, you you guys are not sending us any material for our commercial section, so we're going to keep using Darla's kids. We're going to punish you with bad kid jokes. Yes, until you give us something. You're welcome. It's your fault. Yeah. <laughs> Did anyone get a free dolphin with their promo code last week? <laughs> this time you get free skin. Is that what it was? <laughs> yeah, what is free promo skin? Promo code seven for some free skin. <laughs> Gross. <laughs>
I, I mean, skin, I would take some new skin. No, skin is like the cover, like what your little avatar looks like. So skin is like changing its look. Is it different oh. skin? That's what she meant by skin. Oh, okay. Not like your flesh. <laughs> <laughs> Promo code I seven would, for some new I flesh. I would take some new face skin. I could too. Like a little bit better neck meat. <laughs> yeah. And or maybe like, maybe like the eye around meat. My, yeah, I have like a line and a dent going. I need. I got all kinds of things going. <laughs> On. Road, roadmap face. Watch this. I can make my forehead into a maze. Whoa. That's so cool. Do you want to try it? Do you want to try the maze? Okay. So you it. go like that. I meant like, do you want to complete my maze on my face? Oh, can I draw with a pen? No. <laughs> Please? Your finger. Fuck no. All right. Let's Get over do here. This. It's everywhere's a dead end. That's right. There's no way out. You lose. <laughs> Dar- there's no way out of Darla's forehead. <laughs> It's all dead ends. <laughs> that sounds funny. Uh-huh. Okay, are you ready for my story? Yeah, man. Settle in. This is... Wait, I'm not settled. Okay. Here we go. This is the story of Albert Gouet, Canada's mass murderer. Ooh. Hold on. Ooh. <laughs> I have to apologize because the story takes place in Quebec, and I'm not very good with my French. So I'm probably going to mispronounce a lot of things. I can't wait. Here we go. (laughs) Joseph Albert Gouet was born in Quebec in 1917. He was a spoilt youngest child of five. As a young man, he sold watches and jewelry, and he made money on commission doing that. And he was really good at it. He was a very persistent salesman. I already hate him. Don't you hate salesmen? Uh, yes. Especially, Not all of them. Especially their haircuts. Mm. What's a salesman haircut? I don't know, like slick back, slick Rick? I don't know. Slick Rick. <laughs> In 1939, when World War II broke out, he got a job at the Canadian Arsenals Limited. They manufactured radar equipment for NATO. This was in St. Malo, Quebec. The arsenal closed in 1945, so Joseph opened a jewelry and watch repair shop in Quebec City. During his time at the arsenal, Joseph met and married his wife, Rita Morel. He married his wife? Yeah. (laughs) Good one. They were happily married for a while until... Only a while. Just That's a usually bit. how it works. Just a little bit. Uh, just a little bit. Just until a, they just had the their... Tip. <laughs> just the tip. Just the beginning Just for a second. Tip. Just for a second. Um, they were happily married until they had their first child. <laughs> and then it all went down. And then it all went down. That old story. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph didn't like being second to the baby. Oh, fuck right off. Right? Fuck Joe. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. That guy can eat curb. I thought you were going to say curtains. I was like, good one. Eat curtain, Joe. <laughs> Beef curtain. He probably did none of that because he's a selfish prick. <laughs> oh, it's a long time. It's been a long time yeah. since we butchered a story like this. We're not even Sorry. five okay. minutes in. It's okay. We're in this together. Okay. So at this, as time went on, Joseph's jewelry business began to fail. 
His debts piled up, and he began to have a wandering eye for new romance. He met 17-year-old Marie-Ange Robitaille. Robitaille. <laughs> Robitussin. Ricola. <laughs> it tastes awful, but it works. That's Buckley's. <laughs> Okay, focus on the thing. Go back to Robitaille. Okay. Robitaille. 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 I'm just going to say Robitaille. Okay. He met 17 year old Marie Ange Robitaille at a cafe. She was a waitress and they hit it off. Wait, how old is he? Um. Like, I'm guessing he's not 17 because that's super young. No, he's probably. I don't. I don't know. I'm guessing. Okay, so he was born in 1917. He married his wife around 1945. Oh, shit. Yeah, he's old. What is that? That's He's over 30 okay. for her to be 17. Yeah, she was young. Gross. She had told him she was 19. Mm. So she lied to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he dated her under the assumed name Roger Angus. So she had told her parents about him, and that was the name. Right. She told them. He made her an engagement ring, and he set her up in a small apartment. Other articles that I read said that he, she was living with her parents, so he moved her out into this apartment, and then he was kind of going back and forth between his wife and her. Joseph's wife, Rita, soon found out about the two through rumors and confronted them. Marie-Ange left him after this encounter. This pissed Joseph off. Not only was he second to the baby in his marriage, but now he is second to his marriage with his mistress. And during this anger and rage, he concocted a plan to get rid of his wife. I hate this guy. He's a bit (laughs) of a prick. So in those days, Quebec was strictly Catholic and divorce was almost impossible. At first, he had considered poisoning Rita, but was worried he could get found out. So his next best plan was an airplane bombing, where she would be on board the plane and he planned to bomb it. That was his next best plan. Yes. (laughs) Holy. Right? Um, He got the idea. I mean, that's the logical next step. So right, like I'm not gonna poison her. So I'll just kill a whole um, plane load of people. Let's let's yeah, let's ex- blow up a plane. Let's buy her a plane ticket. That's and then exactly. Ran- Holy shit! What happened? So he, um, I guess he got the idea. There was a plane crash that had happened in the Philippines, and he found out something about it crashing over water, and it's really hard to find evidence and blah blah blah. So. In his, um, in his line of work, he would travel frequently by plane to receive or deliver merchandise. His plan was to convince his wife to take one of the trips for him and then blow up the plane. He asked clockmaker Genereux Roost to manufacture a bomb using dynamite, batteries, and an alarm clock. And dynamite was easily accessible back then. Weird. You could buy it at the hardware store. <laughs> Take a pack of nails and some dynamite. Right. Dude, that would have been bad news three, when we were three kids. Three sticks of dynamite. <laughs> please. Hey, please. And a pack of gum. And some cigarettes. 
He asked General Ruth's sister, Marguerite Petrie, to purchase the dynamite for him, which he was going to supposedly use to clear a field. Once the bomb was built, she was also the one who he asked to deliver the package to Canadian Pacific Airlines to transfer it from Bay Como on the same flight Rita would be on. Joseph drove Rita to the airport and the same day took out a $10,000 life insurance policy on her. Yeah, that's not suspicious, idiot. Well, back then, this was a common practice. Like when someone went on a plane, you just automatically did that? I think, yeah. Or, you know, people didn't live as long. So you're probably always taking out life insurance on your wives and husbands. It's still sus. Super sus. Took out a $10,000 life insurance policy on her, which he would attempt to collect three days later. Apparently, there was also a prior policy from 1942 for $5,000. So the plane was a Canadian Pacific Airlines DC-3 aircraft flying from Montreal to Bay Como with a stopover in Lanciennes, Lorette, a suburb of Quebec City. Okay. This is where Rita would get on board the plane. And that's where the bomb came on board. On Friday, September 9th, 1949, at 10.45 a.m., the plane exploded. It exploded near a small town called salt au cochon That, that's that sounded good. real. Oh, that you sounded... gave me like a really good nod of approval. Yeah, you got the mum look, <laughs> mum face of approval. Nice. salt au cochon causing the plane to crash, killing four crew members and 19 passengers. I believe four of them are also children. What a fucker. Yup. The flight was delayed five minutes, causing the explosion to happen over land. And Joseph's intended plan was for it to explode over the water, making it harder for forensics to find evidence. But unfortunately for him, forensic analysis of the debris was taken to Montreal and concluded that the accident was caused by a time bomb planted in the forward baggage compartment of the plane. Days after the crash, a reporter named Raymond Chase said a woman in black had air freighted a parcel on the plane just before takeoff, and police shortly after that identified her as Marguerite Petrie. Upon questioning, she claimed the parcel was from Mr. Delphus Bouchard to a Mr. Albert Plouffe, and it had been entrusted to her by Albert Gouet. The police interrogated Bouchard, but he denied ever having sent a parcel, and there were no traces of a Albert Plouffe. No such thing as that person. So then the police started to sort through the names of the crash victims and came across Rita Morrell. She was 29 at the time. Um, that's Albert's wife, and also learned... She was only 29. Yeah. That he had bought her plane ticket and, at the same time, took out the $10,000 life insurance policy. Uh-huh. Which in today's money is $117,000, roughly. Days after the crash, Marguerite attempted suicide. She um, swallowed a bunch of sleeping pills. This is his this uh, was mistress? The, no, Marguerite's the lady that um, delivered the bomb on the onto the plane, the package. Oh, okay. Like the guy that made the bomb, mm-hmm. his sister. I see, right. Yeah, so he asked her to deliver the package onto the plane. Um, so, yeah, days after that, she attempted suicide but failed. And in the hospital, she was questioned again by police, and she told them that Albert had told her 
he had planted a bomb on the parcel and she should kill herself because she would be blamed for the crime. What the fuck? Yeah. And apparently he was like in a fit of rage telling her this. Wow. So he convinced her, obviously, that she would get the blame and that's very sad. On September 23rd, two weeks after the murder, Albert Goet was arrested and charged with murder. He was tried and convicted in February 1950, and in June, Marguerite and her brother, Genereux, were tried separately. Genereux claimed that he thought he was making a bomb to clear some tree stumps from a field. Yeah, fuck off. But then later said that Goet told him it was to uh, to go dynamite fishing. <laughs> You just like explode part of a pond and like fish are just flying in the air. I guess maybe they we float to the go surface. Dynamite fishing. Like just go out in the ocean, drop some dynamite, and then watch the fish float up. I feel like that's the only kind of fishing I'd enjoy. I oh, mean, I pictured them like and like fish flying out of blowing it out of the air, and you catch them. <laughs> I mean, that'd be kind of fun, but no, I think it would explode underwater and maybe might, shock them. I need to Google dynamite fishing. Continue okay. though. Okay. And Marguerite said that she thought the package had a statue in it that she was sending. But the juries didn't buy either of their stories. Dynamite fishing. What the fuck? You just catch them. As they fly out of the water? Yeah. Look. Where do we get dynamite? I don't know. Google it. Where do you buy dynamite? Yeah. (laughs) Immediately a cop knocks on your door, right? Wait a minute. Blast fishing, fish bombing, or dynamite fishing is a destructive fish practice using explosives to stun or kill schools of fish for easy collection. Oh, it's illegal, Kezia. Well, yeah, I would know so. (laughs) It hurts ecosystems. Oh, okay. Yeah, it doesn't sound very glamorous. Weird. I've never heard of that. (laughs) Well, because it's illegal. Num num. (laughs) <laughs> Just eating a fish right out of the sea, <laughs> gnawing on its face. <laughs> okay. Sorry, go ahead. That's okay. We're almost done here. Albert Goet was hanged in 1951 by his neck. <laughs> Hanging by neck. Um, for the murder of 23 people. And apparently his last words were, well, at least I died famous. What an idiot, and it's infamous. What a loser. What a loser. Loser. (laughs) Genereux Roost was hanged in 1952, and Marguerite Roost Petrie was hanged in 1953. That's sad. So he took them down with him. What a loser. That story makes me angry. Right? And fun fact, Marguerite was the, the 13th and last woman to be hanged in Canada. Interesting. Yeah. And that was in 1951. And that is the end. And I got my information from Murderpedia and CanadaHistory.ca, a a monster plot article from May 7th, 2015. And also the New Yorker. There's an article from November 7th, 1953. That seems old. Um, Guys, this New Yorker... (laughs) article is really beautifully and in-depth written about this story if you want to know more details about it it's uh it's a really cool article and there you have it well done friend thank you then do we want to end with something else 
Do you have any more gum? More? Remember our first episode? We no. ended with a movie quote, and that was the one. Do you have any more gum? More gum? Do you I have do. any more? I gum? watched that movie with my kids actually. And Did they Asher, like it? Only Asher. The what? girls. The girls lost interest, but Asher thought it was hilarious. <laughs> probably because he probably shouldn't have been watching it yet, but <laughs> it was still. He really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed that he enjoyed it. Aww. Um, do you have a movie quote? Uh, like old times? No, I don't, but I have a different question for you. Okay. I have a question for you. Okay. What is the sexiest and least <laughs> sexiest last name? Like, okay, um, least sexiest last name? It's probably something German, like Kupoff or Flugenflanschen. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking something like Trump or Buck. <laughs> Buck? Mr. Buck? Yeah, well, like, that's not like... Like a redneck last name. Like, I guess you got to think about a name that you... A last name that you ne- would never want. Bartholomew. That's a first name. <laughs> What's a sexy last name? Something Spanish? Gershon. <laughs> Iglesias. I actually don't like that no, at all. Either. Iglesias? <laughs> Something Italian. Okay. Martinello. <laughs> Donatello. Leonardo. <laughs> Those are all Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I think we're too stupid to answer this. <laughs> That's. Let's delete all okay, that. Skip. New question. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Yeah. Why? Because it's got meat in between bread. So if a veggie sandwich isn't a sandwich? It's just stuff. It's not bread. It's a it's bun. It's something that's sandwiched in between two things. But you know what? It's connected on one side. Is that a sandwich? I mean, it's a hot dog. <laughs> okay. What do you say? You say. Oh, don't. You only hear what I want to. That's a terrible song. <laughs> you know what song I'd heard that I hate is that Natalie and Brulia Torn song. Yeah. And the, I almost punched my radio as soon as I heard it. Oh, I thought you would get think, off of my I fucking I thought you radio. would think of me. I didn't. I hated it. <laughs> what is something that everyone looks stupid doing? Running. <laughs> Everybody? <laughs> or like for the most part? Oh, interesting. I don't know. That just came out. Um, everyone looks stupid cutting their toenails. Flossing. How many people do you watch cut their toenails? Think ha- about like people out in public. Oh. People taking selfies. Selfies, for sure. So or stupid. TikTok, like, videos, videos out in public. Yeah, they look really stupid every time. Excuse me when I take a selfie. <laughs> That's all I have. Well, there you have it, folks. Another episode of Radio Face Stories. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> you look like you're about to say something. I, well, I just saw a whole bunch more questions. Oh. But I'll save them for another time. Okay. You'll have to just hang on. Brace yourself. Brace yourselves. All oh, right. my butt. My back. Ugh. My and my crack. <laughs> Bleep. Good night, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.